Hi, y'all. I'm Molly. And I'm Megan. And we're two good friends. Uh, no, we're two best friends from Cincinnati, Ohio. We're here to talk to you all about our love of musical theater. Throughout our shows, we will be discussing some of our favorite shows in depth. We'll be talking about the facts of the show, casting, choices, the songs, and whatever else we want. So sit back, relax, and let's talk about musical theater. This episode is coming at a delay, and we apologize. But there have been tougher things happening in this world between the end of May and now. And the beginning of August. It's, it's been a rough it's been a hot week. minute. Yeah. Yes, real rough. Um, I think I got to the point. Well, we had a we were gonna do this episode the week of the Tony Awards, but then we decided against it because. It was right after the death of George Floyd, and we just felt like it wasn't right for us to do this. So here we are now. I know I went through a phase in like June that I was like, I hate, I can't do theater. I am sad. I'm depressed because of X, Y, and Z. But we're here. We're back, and we're going to talk about the Tony Award, the Tony Awards that would have been uh, if the pandemic had not started. Can I add? Continued. <laughs> yes, everyone, please wear mask, social distance, so we can get back to the theater. Yes. Side note, your I would like pay your pay, give good tips to your waiters, especially when you do takeout. People, come on. Yeah, twenty percent or more. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanted to add that this week would have been the last show for the Aronoff. It would have been Book of Mormon. Yes. Not a show I like, but it would have been like bittersweet because then been like my first first full season at the Aronoff would have been done. Mm-hmm. I would currently be either in the middle of rehearsals for a show, um, potentially working at King's Island. Yeah, but that all got canceled. Um, but this week I filmed auditions for things that are virtual productions. That's cool. Um, and- so we'll see what happens. I'm. I have some rants about that, but I won't do that on the podcast. I know. I know you have some reservations about virtual theater. Well, then, like the one that I auditioned for, like it's fine. I totally, I get it. Like it doesn't. I don't think it needs to. I, what I what I auditioned for was a song cycle, so like you really okay. don't need to be on stage for that. That can totally be virtual, virtual. Right. So I'm like okay with that, but it's stuff with that. Um. But then my other audition was for Playbills Search for a Star because I decided why the heck not. I got nothing exactly. to lose. If exactly. Playbill wants me to be in their top 10, great. I will have to pay people to vote for me. Um, we'll vote. Like, <laughs> I'll vote for you. <laughs> what was I going to lose by doing it? Nothing. I lost nothing. three hours of my life filming audition videos to find a perfect one. But that's about it. That like, seems like... A pretty good three hours of your time. It was, except I realize I get to a point where I start over singing. And then I'm like, oh, oh God, I can't do this again. Like the same song for the 1200th time. I just can't do it. And I've realized that as much as I hate auditions to begin with, because I'm, I always like get so anxious with it all. I mm-hmm. realize I would much rather an in-person audition than a video audition because of a video audition. I will never be satisfied with my end product. Never. Right. I want, if I'm doing it at home, I want the perfect video. 
Whereas an in-person audition, it's like, well, I did terrible, but at least I was myself. Or right. I walked out going like, yeah, I killed that. And it's normally right. the ones that I say, wow, that was terrible that I get the part. So <laughs> I got I to the that. point with these auditions that I was like, you know what? As good as they're going to get because I'm just going to get in a worse, uh, a worse headspace and just not be good. So I said, you know what? These are my options. Sent them to a friend, had him review them, tell them, tell me which ones he thought was best, sent them in. But there also, like, it, it stinks because I feel like online and video self-tape auditions are going to be the new normal. Yeah. And I don't want that. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that when I signed off to my three years of college to get my degree didn't yeah but i know for that <laughs> no one was predicting a <laughs> pandemic no no one at all okay okay so on with the enough about <laughs> my life <laughs> on to the tony awards what you got for us murph <sighs> all right so let's just start but just some fast facts. Um, did you know the Tony Awards was named after Antoinette Perry, who is one of the co-founders of the American Theater Wing? So it's named I after. I feel a like female, I knew that, but I didn't. I think I just always assumed it was named after a man. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I thought the same thing too. <laughs> it's also part of um, the EGOT. Emmy, uh, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And I didn't know the equivalent in the UK and France of a Tony Award was the Olivier Award and the Moliere Award. You didn't know that? Okay, I knew what the Olivier's were. I just didn't... In my mind, when people say Tony Awards, I'm like, yeah, that's a big deal. And then when they say the Olivier Awards, I was like, oh, cool. It's an award in England. (laughs) I think it just... we can talk about this right now because we just mentioned the Olivia Awards. But I think, like, growing up, I was always like, oh, the West End is below Broadway. Like, if you want to make it, you got to go to Broadway. But and that's as part, someone yeah. who's seen shows on both, it's like, no, they are equivalent. I, I would love to be on the West End. I, I think it's London's just a different crowd, per se, and, like, right. environment than New York City and Broadway. Um, but I also, my biggest problem with the Olivier's is like, I get that we transfer shows back and forth, but I don't like the fact, I love Hamilton. We're going to say that Hamilton swept the Tony Awards here. Yep. Swept it. They won like everything. Yep. I don't like the fact that when they went over to England, they then swept the Olivier's because, okay, I know it was, you popped up, you're brand new there. Right. But I believe you should only be eligible for the show, like, where it started. Or, like, the first big professional one where there's awards like that. Because, like, I just did not like the fact that Hamilton stole, I mean, we talked about this in Waitress. Waitress would have won if Hamilton wasn't in that season. But it did the same thing over in England. It took awards away from shows that deserved it. Right. So it just makes me angry. I have zero control over that. I don't know who to talk to about that situation. I mean, I mean, it's a valid point of like, you know, when you have shows like Hamilton that just 
sweep everything. Yeah. That. Spread the love. <laughs> spread, yeah, spread the love around. Um. Yeah, I don't know, because like it's in like weird territory of like, okay, then. Obviously, it's not the same as like a revival winning a Tony Award after there's been a revival, which is an yeah. actual category. But, but I do kind of see the similarities between, like, if you win a Tony Award for this season and you transfer to the West End. See, yeah, I don't know, because, like... And I, I would... I would what, I would what if it's vice versa, that. too? Like, what if yeah. uh, a West End show made it to New York and was able to get a Tony Award? Like, that... That would be cool. I mean, it's... And, like, I'm not saying it's not deserving of both. Any right. show. I just, you. But Hamilton swapped everything. Like there was no confidence. They wiped the floor like, with everyone. It's just, it's just crazy to me because then also like, I mean, it's cool for a performer to be like, I won a Tony and a Lawrence Olivier Award. <laughs> but also like, you took that award from somebody else that season that should have got it. And like, well, and that's like, okay, and, because- and that's how I feel with revivals too. Is that revivals? <laughs> I know that we have the best actress category in a musical. Mm-hmm. I think there should be also best actress in a revival because sometimes I feel like it takes it away from the newbie who's in this brand new show who was nominated for her first Tony Award, deserved it, but then like some veteran walks in in a revival and gets it. Well, that gets in the big. That's just like to relate it back to sports. It is like for sports for like the Olympics. Like, all right, Michael Phelps already won gold medals in this I, in the last Olympics. Let's take him out, and so he can't win it again. So like, that's I. I mean, there's as much po- as it, there's positives and negatives to both sides, and I like right, right, that. right. Well, and like, I see what you're saying. Don't necessarily agree with you, but that's okay. That's we're still friends. Like we, yeah. I, like. I, I agree that like because um Adrian Warren was my number one for best actress in a musical because she yeah. kills it as yeah. turn. but you know who it probably would go to who I guess I, I think it would go to Patty LaPone and that's just me I don't. And you go to Adrian Warren. I don't. I don't think so. I think this is probably me just putting blind trust into <laughs> into the um, American Theater Wing. But I, I would think that they would realize how nuts and how much. Like, how crazy Teen Turner musical is and, like, how amazing it is that they wouldn't just say, oh, but Patti LuPone gets it because it's Patti LuPone. Like, to me, that would be a disservice. I would hope it wouldn't turn it would that be a di- way. Yeah. It would be a disservice well, to both people. Well, and so for the Laurence Olivier, she was actually nominated for supporting role. So that makes sense. She is more of a supporting role in that show. But still, it's... Uh, <sighs> 
There we go. We should, we gotta move on. I'm just gonna get heat overheated. Okay. I still have like a little bit left on just like information on the Tony Awards. So like obviously they have like special best leading and featured actor, actress in a musical and a play, and then like best musical, revival, director, book, original score, orchestrations, choreography. So it really does try and recognize not just the people on stage, but everyone that helps the show go up and create a show. Um, the eligibility date is set each year by the management committee. The date isn't always the same, I believe. I'm trying to find more information on that, but I don't think it's always. It, the same. It, it, like it's it. I think it hovers between like a two week period, um, and then I guess also a special note is what determines a Broadway theater. Because there's a difference between Broadway, Off-Broadway, and Off-Off-Broadway. And a Broadway theater is 500 seats or more. Um, and generally, for the Tony Awards, they decide like what theaters. And it's basically the theaters that everyone knows that's in the theater district. And mm-hmm. I believe a theater connected to... Aha! The Lincoln Center's Vivian Beaumont Theater. Which is just okay. uptown. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's up down. It's, yeah, just a little up down, not by much, but yeah. Okay, well that's my little spiel about what the Tony Awards are, and I also want to note that the Tony Award Day is kind of nuts because yes. for people who don't yes. realize the day what a day looks like for performers who are not only nominated but performing at the Tony Awards. It is people will show up to Radio City Music Hall, do a in the morning. run through in the morning, like seven a.m. bright and early. Um, do a run through of that, rehearse their final rehearsal for the night. Go do a matinee at their show if their show is still open. That's not always the case, but if the show is still up, they'll do a matinee, and then they'll come back and do the Tony Awards. Yep. And then there's also it's a lot of people. Crazy. Yeah, we'll talk about stamina. But the, I've, yeah. I've seen, I watched different vlogs from people performing. Like they'll be like, "Oh, yeah. it's my turn to take over our social media and stuff." So they like record it all and everything. And they'll be like, "It's just the funniest day in New York City because you'll be like walking down the street and you'll see people wearing all different kinds of stuff because they're all getting ready to perform." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you see every kind of costume and like it's normal on Tony Day. Molly, when I moved to New York, <laughs> you uh, were visiting me. Tony I'm coming was, up for the Tony. And we're, and we're just going to, like, day drink at a nearby place and just people watch. <laughs> yes. Cause I'm all you for know. it. <laughs> oh, also what a lot of people, a lot of theater nerds like to do is see the show, the matinee of the show on Tony Day. I would totally do that. It would be like, the, I would, depending on, like, the season, I'd be like, this is the one that's going to win the award for best musical. That's the one I'd see on Tony Day. Because if yeah. they do win the best musical, the very next day their ticket prices go up. Yep. So you got to see. The key is to see the new shows before Tony season. The real key was to see because Hamilton. Because if they don't win. In public. Yes, that was the real key. <laughs> but otherwise, because if, if once, even like once they're nominated, that's when it gets popular because other people who don't know the shows are like, oh, it's nominated. Got to go check it out. But the minute they start winning awards, the tickets go up. 
Yep. It's really sad. We should make theater more accessible to people. That's I why I love the Hamilton Pro Pro Shot Pro Shoot. Uh, but we won't talk about that on this episode. We'll talk about it on the Hamilton episode sure. coming soon. Okay, so um, I I should I should have started this at the beginning. Um, this episode is dedicated to the musicals portion of the Tonys, not to drag the plays because plays are just as important. But I would like to point out that this is Molly and Megan's musical theater podcast, and um. I feel like I know the musicals more because I can listen to these musicals. So it's easier for me to talk about them and I can like point out certain people. Uh, whereas the plays for me to give adequate detail about them, I feel like I would have had to read all of them. And I, some of these, the majority of these, I feel like were very depressing plays. So I did not want to read them during this time. Um, when I decided to watch the Jagged Little Pill bootleg, I sopped. Maybe that was a bad week of quarantine, <laughs> but I also just stopped. Um, yeah. So I say we start with um, new musicals. I grouped mine all by opening date. I forget which one do you have on your list? I have five musicals. <laughs> Did I? I have. What? Well, I have. I'm going to write it down. So no, give, I have give me your list. four. I have four musicals. I have yeah, Girl from North Country, Lightning, Lightning Thief, Sing Street, and West Side Story. Sing Street and West Side Story. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, to I just back did a comment. Was... Setting group, <laughs> group together. <laughs> Um, side note, when Merv and I planned out this episode, she had the majority of the plays and I had the majority of the musicals. That's it's okay. fine. I'm honestly I not upset it. by it. <laughs> okay, so if we went, so give us, talk about Lightning Thief, because I believe that would have been the first one of the season. No, Lightning, no. It's so it Rouge. opened o- October 16th of 2019. Yeah, it's the same. So yes, I was wrong. So let me go first and then I'll do that. Moulin Rouge opened in July. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Moulin Rouge, uh, it opened July 25th, 2019 at the Hirschfeld Theater. It's based on the 2001 movie and it's a jukebox musical. Unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. And this is a musical that I have said I will not listen to it until I see it on stage because my sister who saw it off Broadway in Boston. That seems right. She saw them off Broadway. she saw it off Broadway. Yep, yeah, she saw it off Broadway in Boston with her friend, and um, she told me that that would she would consider that like a musical for our generation because of the types of music that's in it. It's a lot of pop stuff. And the songs that I have heard, I've been like, oh, I can I can take this. Um, but yes, so um, okay, Moulin Rouge opened July twenty fifth of twenty nineteen at the Al Hirsch Theater. It's based on a 2001 movie, and it's a jukebox musical. Um, it's directed by Alex Timbers, a book by John Logan, and the choreo- choreography is by Sonia Tay. I'm really bad at names, but you all knew that if you listen to this podcast. Um, its cast includes, and I'm sorry, I just took everything off the website and then listed the people 
who were present on the um, Wikipedia pages for all these musicals because I just wanted to be sure. And like, yeah, ensembles matter though, I promise. I just don't, we just don't have enough time for me to literally say every ensemble member of every show. So, Dude, I didn't even do that. It's, girl, you fine. Um, it, well, then I don't even have to do cast. You don't have to talk about it. If you didn't do it, that's fine. Edit it out. You're yeah, I, I barely did. <laughs> so I was like, this is what's going on. Okay, so I have The Lightning Thief, which is based off the books of the Rick Rordan novels. Uh, was at the Long Acre Theater opened October 16th, 2019, and closed January 5th. 2020 tragic weekend for many Broadway shows. I didn't get to see it, but apparently it was pretty good. Yes. I saw pretty decent reviews on it. Mm -hmm. What date did West Side Story open? Is that February? West Side Story opened... Why don't I have it written down? Hold on. It opened like right before Broadway closed. Hold on. Okay. Sing Street was supposed to be in. I don't know why I don't have it written down. I just want to make, I just want to do them in like semi-order. Right, hold on. It opened, and it's not giving me the date. I'm pretty sure it was in February. I just think it's funny, like, I'm on its Wikipedia page right now, and it's not even flipping telling me. Yeah, well, I mean. Not I should know because I read all the articles about the wonders. Opening night is set for February 6, 2020. February? So hot. February 6th. And then North Country was supposed to be March, right? Yes. Open on the 7th. Uh, previews on the 7th, I believe. Yes. Okay. I it, was at, it was at the public and then it transferred, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So that makes our next musical, Tina. And that opened November 7th, 2019 at the Fontaine Theater. Uh, I love that theater because ghost. Um, it was, it's a transfer. I hate this because it's also a trans, not really, it's not a full transfer. It's a, let's make the Broadway version of our West End musical. Uh, it's a, wow, I'm a hypocrite. Okay, continue. Um, jukebox, it's a jukebox musical. Duh, there it is. <laughs> Um, director, and I'm so sorry, uh, the director is Idila Floyd. The book is by Katiora Hall, Frank Talara, and Keith Prince, and the choreography is by Anthony Von Loss. And that's a musical I want to see when Broadway opens back up. Uh, the okay. next musical following that would be Jacob's Little Pill. That opened December 20th, uh, not 25th, that's Christmas. It opened December 5th. 2019 at the Broadhurst Theater. It's another jukebox musical, the music of Alanis Morissette. Director is the fabulous Diane Paulus. Um, the book is by Diablo Cody and choreography is by Sidi Lardi Chikawi, maybe. Um, yeah. 
that that's a show I can't believe I watched the bootleg of it but another show I would love to see live and in person because beautiful 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 artwork um Alanis Morissette music like gives me life <laughs> um, let's say Alanis Morissette's 90s album of the same name like mm-hmm. is not our Beautiful. age groups like album they listen to on repeat because we're a little young but still like relevant it's it's being like your millennials sisters. her age group yeah yeah it's your like older your millennials yep older millennials but still relatable um, yeah okay it is yours with um no, because that's a revival, so I want to keep that with the revival. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, then we got. Go ahead and do uh, "Girl from North Country." So, "Girl from North Country" it was at the Belasco Theater. Um, transferred from the public to the Belasco, it reimagines the music of Bob Dylan. Um, it's framed in nineteen thirty-four. Oh. <laughs> I also really love the song Girl from North Country very good song 10 out of 10 recommend um, anyway 1934 time frame weathered by um, you know Heartland of America during the Great Depression um, what did I write one of the quotes that stuck out to me about describing like the show is only a song can shake off the dust for one group of wayward souls. So it's it's not like a love story during the Great Depression, but but isn't it? It kind of is, though. It is, yeah. But like, but it's that's... not just about that love story. Exactly. Um, so the producer was Tristan Baker. The music obviously is by Bob Dylan. Um, obviously. Their shows are paused right now because Broadway's still shut down. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, they still want to keep the show going once Broadway Stay 3 open, and then they will be releasing their album. They did record their cast album, so they're just waiting to release that. Yeah, and I imagine it'll probably be closer to when they reopen. It's just crazy. Um, <sighs> the pandemic just ruined a lot of things. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It ruined um, a lot of things, but also brought a lot of important things to light. Yes, I have to. I 100% agree with that. Um, okay. That brings us to six. Because we're one of a kind. No terror. I, ha- I love hate this. I'm just, I'm just really sad that it's at the Brooks. <laughs> I know, because Waitress. I, yeah. I know. But I, I, I do like Six's album. And you saw it, right? You saw it in no. the West End. No, we always, we always, we always, you always we ask all, that. I always no. miss. Remember I, this, then. I saw, I saw a show. Uh, you saw Big Big Fish in the same theater. No. Fuck! What am I thinking? Of? Um, I saw Mischief Movie Night in the same theater because okay, it's the Arts Theater in London. It's like a, it's a tiny little theater. Like, it's crazy to think that a giant West End show that transferred to America and to so many other places and tours and everything started at that tiny little stage because I can't, I've seen videos of the last number of that show from that auditorium, the theater, and I think it's crazy. 
because it just seems so small and it's like wow but yeah um so six was supposed to open on march 12 2020 and that was the night of the night. shutdown so like of all shows that i feel bad for it is six because they didn't they got their final preview and like they were getting ready to go to the theater to start opening night and it got shut down um, One thing so, I remember about that is I follow Laura Haywood, which is NYC Broadway girl on Instagram. And she was like keeping us updated, us like I'm part of it, but keeping people updated about like what's going on in New York the day that happened. Because I think at that time they made restrictions on stage doors, but the performance was still going on. And then the matinee that she was going to go see for Moulin Rouge canceled. So she ran over to um the brooks to see if six was going on and i guess at like she was there at two and they said yeah it's still going on but at four they're like no we're not doing it and i remember saying that that. Like, oh holy cow like yeah this is and like what's crazy is that i've heard um i've heard from listening to other theater podcasts so many performers were like after I heard that we were shut down and we were going to be shut down for this long, I immediately got a plane ticket back home to get myself mm-hmm. out of the city because I knew how bad it was going to get. And I'm like, that's just like, that's crazy. Because I would have been somebody, I in the beginning, I would have been like, you know what, like, no, 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 it's not going to be closed for long. But yeah, like, I, when, I mean, I remember that people going around about a month being it closed and everyone's going to have fresh cords. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, oh, that did not age well. It's so sad, but also needs to happen. Um, but right. so anyway, six um started on the West End in 2016, and then it moved. That didn't make sense, so I'm gonna leave that note out. But the story of uh, King Henry's um ex-wives, it's technically, it's technically not a musical. It's more of a concert. Yeah, it's a concept. Um, it's a con. It's a concept um, piece. Yeah, right? it's a concept. Piece. I would call it. I would definitely call it a concept piece. Yes. Um. So, like, my debate is, especially like, because I don't fully. It's not really that long of a show, unless, like, it's a one act wonder, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, but it's not like, it's shorter than Come From Away. So then I look at ticket prices and I'm like, Whoa! I did not realize it was shorter than Come From Away. I believe it is literally the album. Okay. Which is not that Come long. Away is an hour and 40 minutes. Yes. And the only reason I know that is because I worked the show 10 times. <laughs> I was like, looking at that event sheet. But like, I'm going to look this up real quick. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Um, we can always edit this out. I'm going to look for the exact length of the sixth album. Which isn't right. even like a real album. It's like the demo album still. So I don't know where that's coming from. I don't. Why is my Spotify not working? I mean, that's, not, that's not uncommon having demo albums being like, oh, this is good enough. Or we see that all the time with movie musicals that don't feel like recording an album and just paper mache the music <laughs> into an album yeah. it's sad. <laughs> and have really bad edits and I'm not calling out a specific show but I am <laughs> so yeah the studio recording the studio recording is nine songs and is 42 minutes long 
show. <laughs> Do I really? The show is not yeah. forty-two minutes long. I think the show's over an hour. I think it's. There's no way it's under an hour. I don't know how they're what they're hiding then because their album is the X Lives starting song and then everyone's own song. And don't they have a don't they have a long encore called like Mega Six or something? Uh, yeah. Okay. Six the musical, seventy five minutes. Okay, so they give me an extra half hour somehow. I don't really know how. Well, I'm gonna uh, the. But that's shocking. But also, pay that much to see a seventy-five minute show. Oh, there's there's um 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 there's songs not included on the studio cast recording. Well, then I don't want it. I want the cast recording. Three, four. Yeah, there's there's six songs that aren't on the cast recording. Okay, then that makes sense. Awesome. But I want a real recording then, please. I know if you're a concert, but whatever. Well, anyway, then just uh, get the Broadway cast recording. <laughs> and I would be fine. Get with a that. new one going. Um, so the directors for six um, are Lucy Moss and Jamie Armitage. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is by Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss, and the choreography is Carrie N. In Negrilla, and Neg- I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm really bad with names. But yeah. Um, then the next show that would have opened would have been Diana the Musical, based on the life of Diana, Princess of Wales. It would have opened on March 31st. The book and lyrics. Uh, the book the book was by Joe DePat the DePitro, I don't know, whatever. Uh lyrics the lyrics are by him and David Bryan. And David Bryan also wrote the music for the show. Uh the director is Christopher Ashley and the choreo is Ke- uh, choreography is by Kelly Devine. Um I think I just really love this show. I, I need that cast album, which sticks because they were going to record the cast album like the weekend after the shutdown. So they weren't able to do it. Um, but I think this show just holds a special place in my heart because I've been taking classes with Broadway Weekends at home. And like the majority of their teachers are people from this show. So like, and they're people I've taken like multiple classes with, I've had conversations with. So I'm like, we're friends. And like, I can't wait to see your show open. You're and not friends. You're like, acquaintances acquaintances but like i can't wait to like actually see the show and unfortunately we won't be able to stage door and i can't like i won't be able to stand there and be like hey you taught me this much stuff uh, at broadway weekend but it'll just be really cool to go support that but i think i also like love i love england and i love the royal family so also love that show um yeah, I know you love English. <laughs> I just do. Um, the next show is this is Doubtfire, which was supposed to open on April fifth of twenty twenty. It's based on the movie, and I just found out when I did the research that it was also a book. Yep. Um, it's opening at the Stephen Sondheim. Yep. Used to have beautiful there too. <laughs> Why did I stop writing theaters down halfway in my notes? Whatever. We're we're on. we're moving on. Um. But his uh, music and lyrics are by Wayne and Carrie Kirkpatrick, and the book is by Carrie Kirkpatrick. 
Kirkpatrick and mm-hmm. John O'Farrell. And the director is Jerry Zach. Choreography is by Lauren Lataro. Uh, also another show that I probably would have loved. Can we talk about how, what's, what's his name who's doing, who's in Mrs. Doubtfire? Rob McClure. Yes, thank you. I couldn't think of her last name. Who's doing all of the silent? <laughs> oh, the silent. The, the TikToks of the, of the, the conductor. <laughs> I don't think he's posted any in a while. But those no, yeah, but those were so funny. Did it for like a solid like two weeks, and every time I'd see it, I'd be like, "This is me in my seat, though." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful. I also just love Rob. No, he did one. Um, I think he did one a few weeks ago where he actually like passed his. I don't know the actual name of it. Yeah. But his little conductor stick. It's not a baton. What the hell? Is, what the heck is it, it called? It was a baton. It oh. is. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. He passed it oh. to uh, theater performers of color. I'm pretty ah, sure. Okay. I think I'll that was like later. probably a month ago. I don't know. Yeah, and that was the last one I remember seeing with him. Cool. Uh, okay, now we are on to Sing Street. Cool. All right, so best musical. Um, again, in the same category. It was supposed to be in the Lyceum Theater. Takes place in Dublin, 1982. Everyone is out of work. Um, 16-year-old Connor and schoolmates turn to music to escape the troubles of their home, and it's based on the John Carney indie film of the same name. And I believe it didn't open before. It did not. And I just saw an article the other day that it is moving season. Like, if Broadway were to open, well, I think... I think I saw that they're going to move to 21-22 season. Okay. Instead of 20 and 21. Are they keeping the same theater? I believe so. Hmm. I didn't read the article because I just thought that I was going to get depressed if I did. (laughs) Because Fair enough. I I listened to the album. It was very good. The cast album was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to revivals, I would like to say that Diana the Musical is going to be at the Longker Theater and Mrs. Longker or is it the Long Anchor? How do you pronounce Long-ker. that? Long Anchor? Really? Long Anchor? Long Anchor. Long Anchor? Long Hold on. Longker. Uh, whatever. That theater by that guy. And you said Mr. Doubtfire, Doubtfire was Stephen Sondheim. Why did I think that was going to... I think it's pronounced the long anchor. I don't know. Anyone knows how to pronounce it, let us know. <laughs> so, if anyone knows how to pronounce anything that I'm saying, Do let it. me know. We're out of touch. <laughs> I literally just can't. I can't pronounce crap. Um, words are hard. Words are very hard, and I'm also like, I wish some. I I think my mind likes to trick me and be like, oh, that letter's silent, 
and stuff like that. So I'm like, maybe it's silent, so I'm not going to say it. I, for some reason, I thought um, Mrs. Doubtfire was going to Stephen Sondheim. Uh, not Stephen Sondheim. That's where it's going to. I thought it was going to the Marquis Theater. I was wrong. Marquis Theater is empty now. Okay. Really? Now let's get, yeah. It was where Tootsie was. So no one yeah, I knew, uh, yeah, I knew Tootsie was there, but yeah. I thought they were filling it in with a different show. That's, that's a very, I feel like that stage is like really wide and really short. And like, you have a huge audience. So, gotta get that together. Um, So, it's gotta be something that's like gonna sell. Revive Waitress. No, don't revive Waitress there. Revive Waitress. (laughs) Revive Waitress, but not there. I'll take Dogfight. Oh, dude. Okay, I, I still think Dogfight would do really, really well in like Lake Circle in the Square, like a really small mm-hmm. theater. Yes. Mhm. Just uh, give me be Patrick and Paul because you know I know you're listening. Um, please give me Who? Broadway Dog. I said <laughs> Patrick and Paul. You know they listen to this. Oh podcast. yeah. No. <laughs> I just really believe that. You should have worked a little harder on getting Dogfight to Broadway before um, switching on to your other project because it, it breaks my heart that this never went to Broadway, but uh, you just then decided to move on to bigger, better things. And I guess that's okay. Like you gave me Dear Evan Hansen. Um, but I just want to say that the fact that you put a Christmas story, the musical on Broadway, and not Dogfight really hurts. Okay. Though, so to be fair, like, I feel like the Christmas story would sell for people who are coming into the city for Christmas. They're going to see the Rockettes Christmas Spectacular. And if they don't go into that, they're going to be like, well, what else can we see? There's a Christmas yeah. carol. That's true. Still just, ugh bums me out but anyways okay now we are on to our revivals and you go first on this one cool okay side west side story opening at the broadway theater on february 20th of 2020 um, everyone knows West Side Story's plotline. It's transferring the tale of Romeo and Juliet to the upside, upper west side of New York City. Um, this performance in particular has a lot of... How do I want to say this? Scandal. Not scandal. Scandal and... Criticism. No, like, yes, we'll talk about that when we eventually do West Side Story, but it has a quote-unquote, I would say, like, radical new interpretation of the show. Uh, not really. The show's still Oh, racist. that's where you're going with it. Okay. Yeah, so effect, essentially, on the stage, they have a couple scenes where it's actually raining, and that's how some dancers have gotten hurt and gotten replaced in the show because they got hurt because the stage and got the show replaced. Deck sweat. I have, uh, but another thing, well, I will talk about that when we do the podcast for this one because I want to keep it going. 
And then another thing about this new West Side Story revival is um, they actually have live cameras that project some scenes onto the back, which is a giant LED screen, which is very new to the Broadway world. Pretty cool. You know? Cool concept. Yeah. But yeah, I, I again, it's very... Oh, I love it more if it weren't West Side Story and didn't have all the scandalous stuff going on with it. Yeah. Yeah, there's big problems. Um, so, yeah, that's all I kind of want to say about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, then the and other we're revival. We're going to win the best revival, though. <laughs> uh, you... Yes and no, because I yeah. feel like, I don't know, this season there were two revivals. West Side Story and Company. Um, oh, wait, yeah. Oh, and they're both, like, very, like, I would say, like, niche musicals. Like, I feel like with these I don't musicals, think you either love them or you hate them. Yeah. Because, like, well, when and especially, like, with West Side Story, it's like, everyone knows West Side Story. Like, it's Romeo and Flippin' Juliet. You, if you've seen it once, you've seen it. You've, A thousand like, times. Whereas company, company is different. Like, I feel like this is a show I specifically like need to sit down and watch the show to really like mm-hmm. have feelings towards it because um, I'm not turning 35 and I don't have a line of ex-boyfriends. But ladies who lunch. I know, ladies brilliant and can we mm, can we talk about that video of audra <laughs> and christine and freaking meryl oh love it that love was, it that was a tray early in the quarantine stage yes. where was a little upsetty depressy yeah and that brought a little <laughs> and that I, brought joy to my life <laughs> i think it i i'm like i remember watching that I watched it like in my room by myself, and I remember like the next day being like, "Mom, you have to watch." And I was like, "Let me get my drink in my bathrobe and watch." Like we also, that was a culture (laughs) reset moment. I also would like to note and point out that that gave me like the closest theater experience in quarantine because not only. Did they have major technical difficulties at the beginning? Yes. <laughs> it was just, yes. Everyone uh, was tweeting about it. I was like, oh my god, this is like going to a theater. <laughs> beautiful. It was beautiful. I forget. What was I doing that night? Weird that we, I don't remember. It was very I good. I don't but... remember because I knew I started it late and I was like, oh, I'll catch up to onto those. Keep going. But anyways, um, so company was supposed to open March 22nd, 2020. It was going to open on Stephen Sondheim's 90th birthday. How freaking cool. Um, this is the third Broadway revival. Uh, music and lyrics, of course, by Stephen Sondheim. Uh-huh. The book is by George Firth. The director was Marianne Elliott. And the choreography was by Liam Steele. So, yeah, super cool. I think, well, and I think it's so funny. I don't know if I've ever said this on podcasts before. And then I always realize I'm a hypocrite when I go to think about, like, my favorite shows. But I'm always like, I hate, I hate this 
the shows that are not original and they're the movies, <laughs> but then they're made into musicals. And then like my favorite musical is Ghost. Movie musical. It's a movie musical. Um, Frozen. Frozen. Movie musical. Uh, Waitress. And so, like, I get back and forth. And, like, this season, I mean, we get a lot of jukebox musicals, but, like... There's a lot of jukebox There are original stories. There's also a lot of... Like, Moulin Rouge. I mean, Moulin Rouge was a movie, but it was a movie musical. But, like, I mean, uh, that's an original story. Tina Turner. It's the story of Tina Turner. Yeah. Jiggy Little Pill is an original story. Um, That's like saying... That's like saying Green Day, um, 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 um. American Idiot was a concept album that they made in Yeah, that's like saying the same thing. No, I know, I know, and I get, um, the creators of musicals need a product to build from. Right. No one really, rarely do someone rip something out of their booty. Well, yeah, we're not. That's amazing. There's, we, they always have something that they're taking inspiration from. But, like, I'm saying, like, I feel like I forget what season it was. Was it last year that it was, like, every show that was nominated was based off of a movie? No, because last season we had... Or maybe it was the season before, and I was like, oh, my God. uh, Hades Town? Oh, yeah, not last season then. Yeah, 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 yeah. But... I remember, like, what the heck? And then, like, I literally think about my favorite musical. Like, one of my favorite musicals is Newsies. That was a movie musical. musical to start with. It's a Disney musical. Yes. And there's some tea behind that as well. Yeah. Um, hold on. I want to look at my list and be like, ah, oh, these are all movie musicals. Who am I? But then I also I think part of it goes with like there was there instead of it's just it's weird because some things I'll be like why'd you take that out why'd you put this in and sometimes there's things like make it better right but like looking at this my 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 favorite musical list I have a top ten I won't put them in any order the ones that are based off off of act just movies movies is three of them and it would be. Ghost, Waitress, and Beetlejuice are based off of just movies. Mm-hmm. But then we got musical movies would be Newsies, Frozen, and I don't know the years on the other ones. But then like the original, originals would be like Wicked was based off of a book. We knew that. Rent was based off of an opera. We knew that. We talked about that. Godspell is based off of the Bible. That's a stretch. Like, it is. Uh, it's a yeah, stretch. but that was that was the that was the um, inspiration point. Dogfight's based off of a book. Hamilton's based off of a book and a real person. I mean, if you want to like go into it, not that I'm fighting you because I'm not, but every single <laughs> that was really um, aggressive for the comment that's following. That was aggressive. <laughs> and it's the comment I'm saying is not aggressive. It's just the fact that like 
people are influenced by things around them. So people are influenced by books, people are oh, influenced by movies, yeah. people are influenced by musicals, people are influenced that. by sound. So like, like it's not weird to think I about. I sound ignorant. Like right, I right, know, right, I right, know right. That. I hope you all know that I know this. <laughs> Like people aren't just but like, people aren't just creating musicals right out of the ether, um. But at the same time, like, but I think that part of it is like, I feel like some of the the shows that have just come up are like based off of popular movies. I want more waitresses where it's like indie films. That's a cult classic, an indie film, <laughs> rather than okay, hold on. And I love rather than hi, here's Mean Girls. I want a Kill Bill musical. If you're going into cult classics. I want a Pulp Fiction I musical. Stand it. I stand uh, it. Let's do it. We can write it right here. Kill Bill the musical. Who would you star? Um, Taylor Lauderman. Fair. There we go. <laughs> and it's going to sell out because it's her. Yeah. That's the thing. Okay, so as you know, we didn't mention designers, so I'm just going to quickly go over designers, um, and I will always read it. I'm just going to say it right here. I'm always going to read it in the format of the Anna Doubtfire Company, Six, Tina, Jiggy Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, Girl from North Country, Lightning Thief, Sing Street, and My Side Story. It's always going to be in that order. You're just going to get names because I don't want to have to take a sip every five minutes. So we're going to start with scenic designers. And these are all people who most likely would have been nominated because they designed for a Broadway show that was on Broadway. Uh, so we got David Zinn, Zavin Corins, Bunny Christie, Emma Bailey, Mark Thompson, Ricardo Hernandez, Derek McLean, Ray Smith, Lee Savage, Bob Crawley, and Jan Versweveld. And I just want to say that apparently designers have easier names. Lighting designers would be Natasha Katz, Philip S. Rosenberg, Neil Austin, Tim Daling, Bruno Poet, Justin Townsend, he did Diggable Pill and Moulin Rouge, Mark Henderson, David Lander, Natasha Katz, who did Diana as well, and Jan Versailles. She is the hardest name if you ask me. Then we got sound designers who are Gareth Owen, Brian Ronan, Ian Dickinson, Paul Gatehouse, Naveen Steinberg, Jonathan Bean, Peter Hylinski. He also did Sing Street. Simon Baker, Brian Rummery, and Tom Gibbons. Costume designers. Um, Will uh, William Levy Long, Catherine Zuber, Bunny Christie, Gabriella Slade, Mark Thompson, Emily Rebholds, Catherine Zuber, Ray Smith, Sydney Merska, Bob Crawley, and and Dehuis. I sorry, it's that's a hard name as well. Then we got our makeup designers. Um, on Diana's website. They didn't list one. Then we got David Brian Brown. He did hair. Tommy Rootskinman did the makeup and prosthetics for uh, for Doubtfire. The Campbell Young Associates did company. Tina and Girl from North Country. Um, then Jared, uh, J. Jared Janis 
did Jay Lil Pill, Campbell, no, I just did it already, Dave Bova did Lightning Thief, and then Six Sing Street and West Side Story did not have listed for hair and makeup designers, which is kind of a bummer because that's kind of important theater and theater. Um, I'm not surprised. The section I have written. You're gonna what? I was gonna say I'm not surprised. I'm not, but like I, I don't. It's just if I had the playbill, it'd be different. Like I'd be able to find it. Right. There. But I also want to be like when you have an entire page on your musicals website, and you have like they're normally like the slide bar, and it'll be like click this for cast and cr- for cast. Right. And then this one, like, for creative and crew. And it doesn't do that. Like, it doesn't give me everyone. I want to be like, so are you telling me they all just do it themselves? Like, they all just came in and said, this is what I want to look like as my character? No, this is this is freaking Broadway. That doesn't happen. No, and they had tattoos, too. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's that story? Legitimately has tattoos. Why aren't you listing who does that every week? Who's touching that up? Not them. Well, it's. You got, are you going to find a Broadway performer that's a quadruple threat and that quadruple is making them a tattoo designer? No. Anyways, sorry, I got angry. Um, so this next section I have listed as videos slash projections slash illusion, illusions slash extra fancy stuff, a.k.a. elements. So um, Diana didn't have any of those listed. Uh then for Mrs. Doubtfire, we have the prosthetics, which is Tommy Cruzman. I set that up with hair and makeup, but like, I think he probably like would have gotten an award for the prosthetics because if you've seen the video of Rob McClure changing, it's phenomenal. nuts. Uh, like, uh, crazy. I would love to see that quick change, like at in the show. Um. Then you got. Uh, Illusions in Company by Chris Fisher. Then Joe Stug did Projections for Tina. Lucy McKinnon did the video for Jagged Little Pill. Which, like, the background right. and everything. It's really cool. If you can find a bootleg, watch it. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> Unsolicited. Six... <laughs> Help. Six... Six Moulin Rouge and Girl from North Country didn't have any like special effects listed. Then we got the Arson Walsh Studios did the puppetry for Lightning Thief. I didn't see anything with puppetry, so I like don't know. I can't really say. Oh, so cool, but because I, I never like saw it, but puppetry is really awesome. Then you got Luke Halls and Brad Peterson doing the video for Sing Street. And Luke Halls also does the video for West Side Story. And I would take a big bet to say West Side Story would win. Well, so so the reason I grouped it like that is that there's sometimes not... What I've taken from the internet, like the year with King Kong, they did mm-hmm. a, a, like a special award for everyone working... Um, On the, the prosthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I think this would be, there might be, I didn't do much research on it, to see if, like, there's a video in production or, like, where that would go. Um, Right. But I would assume that West Side Story would get it because, like, they're live taping. Yep. 
also like feel like I would need to see those shows to if I ever ha- I would love to be one of the people who votes for this because you get to see all these shows and it'd be amazing isn't um, that like big secret okay. of who votes like you just know people are voting um, you don't know who it is I don't know never hmm. really looked into it but like they always know like they have to see it within a certain week. And they like they just see it within a week. Yeah. So, like, they know, but, like, they don't know. And no one's really – I would be that performer that would be, like – I mean, even with my friends, with my, my like, big shows, I never wanted to know when people were there because it freaked me out. It made me nervous. It made me more nervous. But, like, performing at Kings Island, it was, like, no, <clears throat> pardon me. I want to know you're here. Like it's a 30 minute show. I got this by now. Right. Um, I would never, we would never like for the, the OCTA act awards for Cincinnati, we wouldn't know when one of our judges were there unless we realized, Hey, there's that person. Most of us know because in community theater, you know, a lot of people you know everyone. would be like, ah, so-and-so is in the audience taking notes when the lights go down every time. Like, oh, I know what because they're doing. judging us, yeah. So it's like, you know, you know, it's them, yeah. Um, but I would never want to know that because I would be someone that'd be like psyching myself up, like, this is going to be a great performance, and then it would be terrible, and then it'd be like, I just lost my Tony, <laughs> but that's me, and I'm dramatic, okay. And now I'm going to read off all the plays and the revival plays that could have were that were or could have been part of this tourney season and could have been up for awards. Uh, we have A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, adapted by Michael Wilson. Grand Horizons by Beth Wool. Beth Wool. The Great Society by Robert Shaken. Shaken? Always Shaken, whatever. The Height of the Storm by Florence Zeller. The Inheritance by Matthew Lopez. I to see the Linen Trilogy by Stefano Massani, adapted by Ben, ben Powers. Mm-hmm. Linda Vista by Tracy Letts. The Minutes by Tracy Lewis. I wanted to see that. I know, me too. My Name is Lucy Barton, adapted by Rona Monroe. And it was written by Elizabeth Strout. Um, Seawall Slash A Life by Simon Stevens and Nick Payne. Slave (laughs) Slave Play. By Jeremy O'Harris. I'm sorry, I've been talking a lot. The Sound Inside by Adam Rapp. Those are all the original shows of this season. And the revivals would have been American Buffalo by David Mamet, mm-hmm. Betrayal by Harold Pinter, Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune by Terrence McNally, The Rose Tattoo by Tennessee Williams, A Soldier's Play by Charles Stuhler. And Take Me Out by Richard Greenberg. A lot of these shows have either already closed. We're still open. We're planning to close, like, right before Tony's. Or have now already said, like, we didn't want to be a part of the season. We're going to come back next season. Right. So some of these, in a perfect world, they would have been included. Also, who knows, maybe something would have happened and one of them could have pulled out, like, Right, the last minute and not been a part of the season either. We don't know because we didn't get to experience it. Um, 
And I just want to say that I'm sorry I didn't write out, out all the plays designers like I did with the musicals. I am trash. You're not trash. It was a last minute thought uh, that I realized like, before we recorded this that I didn't do that. It happens. Yeah. We're in a pandemic. It's fine. And I also just want to say again, this is the Molly and Megan Musical Theater Podcast. I don't want to talk about plays. I don't want to talk about plays. Fair enough. (laughs) I do want to know, in terms of us watching the Tonys, because I didn't watch it up until probably about two years ago when I started watching it. You watched all of them since, like, high school, right? Yes. Like, yes. Tony Knight was I can't night. tell you what was my first one, but I can tell you I've watched them all. Like, I want to assume since I was in high school, but even, I'm going to see if I can find a list of Tony hosts. I mean, uh, and I can probably pinpoint it. I would see, like, I wouldn't sit down and watch the Tony Awards, but, like, the next day I would see it and go, oh, this opening numbers on YouTube and it's really popular. Let's look at it. But it wasn't until two years ago that I was like, "All right, yeah, let's sit and watch them Tonys." Uh, actually, probably more. Than I want to know. And I love Josh Groban, but I'm gonna stand okay. by the statement: Sarah Brella should have hosted it just by herself. That's the tea. So I want to. So I know I watched it one of the three years that Hugh Jackman was the host. You did. I also know. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I also know, based upon this and the shows that are listed, I started watching it every year in 2010 because I remember watching Sean Hayes um, host it, and he hosted it in 2010. Okay, so and you're... then we got Neil Patrick Harris for the next three years, then Hugh Jackman again. Yep. And then Kristen and Alan, uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming, then James Corden, then Kevin Spacey, then Sarah Bareilles, and Josh Groban, and then James Corden. So, like, I remember those. And, like, I've seen clips from however far back there's clips on the internet. Because once you get into the Tony video hole of YouTube, it's never ending. Yeah. It's never ending. Especially because I'll see I'll see something and be like, oh, I have to watch that video because I love that show and stuff like that. So, like, of course. Duh. It's just really funny, like, looking at the list of people who have hosted it. And be like, oh. Ah, oh, bring me back Julie Andrews hosting it. I'll take that any day. Again, I'm sorry I barely talked about plays. Um, I'm sorry I butchered people's names. Um... 
sorry I said that some opinions about shows, but this is my podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we, we did our best. It was definitely, we were looking forward to the corn Tonys, but obviously yeah. that didn't happen. Tonys didn't happen. Theater's still closed. It's for the best right now, but it still stinks. So this is our way of yes. keeping the dream alive, I guess. It. Yeah. And I'll be honest, in a text message to Megan today, I said, I feel like if we don't tape this now, we'll never get back to it. And I kind of miss this because this is like something to look forward to every week. Started the beginning of quarantine and it was like, oh, I can't wait to learn about this musical and like talk about it because I love musical theater. And then... I feel like during this episode, I was not, not that I wasn't thrilled to do it because I do like the Tonys. But I wasn't stoked to do it. I was like, okay, let's just get through this so we can do the next one. Which yeah. I'm and it would have been super stoked on. Hopefully next year. Hopefully next year. What we should do is do a live podcast as we're watching the Tonys if they happen. <laughs> because I think the comments that I mean that would be like a three hour long one. But, like, then we could have a discussion during the commercial. Right. And you would hear live comments, like, who's it going to be? I think it's going to be so and <laughs> And then, like, us being like, yes, give me that dance move, serve that look. Oh, do you hear that bell? It'd be beautiful. It would be. I agree. I mean, I mean my goal next year, again, I'm trying to move and I'm. Yeah. More than casually applying for jobs right now, even though the job market sort of stinks. Um, trying to move to New York, so if that happens, you'll just have to visit me and we'll do it in my small-ass room. <laughs> no, and I would be okay Or I'll with just that. take a trip back home. Sorry, guys. <laughs> have to take a weekend off. <laughs> it's Tony's. It's Tony. No, because Tony's if it's Tony's, I'm coming up. If you live there, Tony Week. Every week, I'd be like, Tony week, I'm coming up. Tony weekend, I'll leave I'll leave bright and early Monday morning so I don't have to take a lot of time off work. Come up for the weekend. There you go. You got this plan. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to um, follow us on our Instagram at Molly and Megan MTP and at our Twitter at Molly Megan MT pod. Um, our next episode will be on Godspell. You sure will be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Guys. Great musical movie. <laughs> I wouldn't call it great, but you'll have to go to the next episode to hear my thoughts about it. <laughs>